<laughs> we are live, more or less, <laughs> from Vegas with Mark Anthony. I'm Rick Rosen, and this is Good Sports. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. A little, a little smog, smog lung going here, but yeah, uh, whatever. what's happening, man? Uh, this is going to shock you. This is, I'm actually, oh. you know. <laughs> it's a good-looking actually- babe right behind you. Who is that? Is that the... Does Debbie know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's a model, model, a model that I shoot every now and then. She needs. Ah, some, I see. Yeah, you know, you know, she calls me up and says, "Hey, Mark, I'm going out to Red Rock. I need some new, some new headshots." So, okay, cool. There are other Mark, shots, I but I can't got, show them because we're on YouTube. I believe you've got more than her head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> if we her were not shots, on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> is that like her getting head? Because that's kind of, okay. Uh, okay. All right. All right. I'm just saying. Okay. 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 Uh, well, today, well, while we're off, it was this interesting. Is the year anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. Well, 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 yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you build a city below sea level and you get flooded, ooh, guess who came up with that idea? Well, a Democrat. Uh, you're going to blame it on Obama. His, his 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 people came over from Kenya and said that this is a good spot. It looks like a place will be flooded by a hurricane. Listen, it was the entire region. I mean, you you look at what happened to, to Mississippi and the economy there. It, it is the entire Gulf region, and then they were hit by the the uh, BP oil spill not too long after that, and another uh, uh, hurricane uh, was it Hurricane Ike or whatever whatever the hell it was. They've had a lot going bad down there for a while. And uh, it's about time things turned around for him. Ten years. It just doesn't seem like ten years to me, Mark, uh, since Hurricane Katrina. And things certainly have changed on the landscape of America in ten years. Uh, we're not going to go very far before we mention the WDBJ. Uh, we stand with them. Uh, Allison Parker and Adam Ward lost their lives yesterday uh, to uh, uh, an assassination. A young lady named Vicki Gardner uh, from the Chamber of Commerce down there in Roanoke or the Smith Lake uh, area um, was shot in the back and is expected to survive. She's doing better. But uh, this uh, clown named Victor Flanagan, a gay black man, uh, decided he'd been discriminated against enough to go kill people. And, uh, you know, all the all the laws on the books about anti-discrimination and whatever, this guy was so pissed at what wasn't available to him or what happened to him. Somebody did uh, this, uh, Adam Ward, who died, uh, had worked one time with this guy on air and went to human resources uh, about him one time. And the guy mentioned that. he this, this guy filmed himself killing two humans and attempting to kill three and then finally drove 200 miles. And, and, but in the meantime, had the, had the heart to put up on YouTube put up on Facebook the moments of him taking two other human beings' lives because he was pissed off they called him something or discriminated against him. He's been a powder keg for a man. God, uh, I, just don't, I just don't get it, Mark. I do not get it how these things continue to happen. Is it guns? Yeah, that's what the hell they use. But, you know, cavemen used rocks. <laughs> and then well, somebody sharpened one, and then and we've gotten better at killing each other. But there's still this desire to 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 shut somebody up or to to exact revenge by ending their life is one of the damnedest things uh, any of us will ever have to deal with in our lives. Mark, is that other people get so pissed off at stuff we do or say that they kill each other? And, it, you know, I mean, those things, I guess, uh, on the grander scale, end up being wars. Uh, I don't like your ideas, and you like mine, and I can make you do my way, and you can make me do yours. And, you know, that's what sports is, uh, imposing my will on you. We're playing basketball. I, I don't let you uh, drive. That's what you want to do. You'd like to go to the basket. I make you shoot from outside. Um, if I'm successful at that, I'm probably going to win. Uh, on the other hand, down on offense, if I want to go inside and you try to stop me and I make it inside, I'm probably going to win. It's imposing your will on someone else that, that there drives the world of sports that we love so much, Mark. But it is really human nature. 
I try to impose my will on you. I try to say homosexuality is something you can change. So I'm going to hate you because you either don't want to or, or, or won't or can't. It's one of those three. <clears throat> and uh, and so people end up dying every day. I mean, my God, it's so incredible, Mark, how, how little we actually value human life. And uh, uh, I will tell you this, one of the absolute highlights, Mark, of my entire existence on this earth is meeting at least uh, over the, the by the wonders of modern uh, uh, technology, uh, meeting and talking to Dr. Dean Sicking. And if that name doesn't ring a bell, by golly, it should. For everybody who loves sports and loves uh, not, you know, this last week we lost Justin Wilson in an IndyCar race, uh, a very, very freak accident. I don't know of anything other than putting a, a roof on the cars, which they don't want to do in, in open-wheel cars, that might have uh, avoided Justin Wilson's death. Uh, Sage Karam was leading the race at Pocono, uh, wrecked all by himself. Uh, somebody had named him uh, uh, Kid Dangerous or Kid Danger, and he's like that. He's a youngster, and he, and he drives hard. He, his foot goes all the way down to the floor and don't come up very often. <clears throat> he was leading the race. He probably wasn't going to win it because he was going to run out of gas a couple, three laps uh, early, but he was leading, comes around the corner, loses it, uh, smacks into the wall. The nose cone comes off. Here comes Justin Wilson, uh, third or fourth guy around the corner after the wreck. He wasn't the first one there. He wasn't just like right up Karam's tailpipes. And uh, the nose cone come flying off of, uh, of Justin Wilson's, I mean, of uh, Sage Karam's car. And it's the heaviest piece on the front. It's like a bulkhead. It's the heaviest piece up front because guys were getting their legs destroyed my friend Davey Hamilton uh hit, hit the wall knocked off the front end of the car the car spun around and hit the wall again and his legs were sticking out and and uh I think he's had a uh, 60 something odd surgeries and still walks with the limp and you know a hell of a guy and IndyCar said okay we're going to redesign the car so there's so there's some protection up front for their legs it's what killed Justin Wilson that part come off and you know they were going 100 and well but when the when the Part come off. It was going a couple hundred miles an hour. It starts bouncing around on the track and slowing down and whatever. And and, and God God picked it up and struck old Justin Wilson right in the front of the helmet with it. And uh, it went an easy hundred feet up into the air, Mark, after it hit him. And there's nowhere for a head to go backwards. And they, they you know, when the when the emergency crews got there, there were two two kind of separate wreck scenes. Justin Wilson just kind of uh, angled off and hit the inside wall, and. Uh, the two safety crews got there, so there were two kind of accident scenes. And the first one got there, boy, and they started scurrying around when they were up with Justin. And the second crew actually left Sage Carroll. I think only one guy stayed back with him. And they went running over to, to Justin Wilson's car. So you knew it was real serious then. And uh, um, they, they uh, I believe, left him on life support until his family arrived from England uh, to say their goodbyes. Justin Wilson gave his life uh, to entertain us. Uh, to, I mean, yeah, it was something he loved and blah, blah, blah. People always say, oh, he died doing something he loved. Yeah, I bet if he had his druthers, he'd rather do something else. Yeah, he'd rather well. never probably got in a race car. I don't know many people who die, you know, who are about to or whatever, who would have made that choice. And and that, that choice is for life, which leads us back. And I don't think there's anything other than not racing anymore that would have saved Justin Wilson. It was, you're talking about a thousandth of a second either way, uh, six inches higher. All those things could have saved Justin Wilson's life. If he swerves, comes around the corner and swerves a little bit to, to miss another piece of trash or another piece of debris on the uh, on the road, on the course at, P at Pocono. You know, uh, all, the, all the what ifs in the world aren't going to bring him back. The what ifs that we're talking about now, Dr. Dean Sicking, who's now at the University of Alabama, Birmingham, was at Nebraska. And uh, Dale Earnhardt had been killed. Very uh, mundane-looking wreck at uh, 200 miles an hour or thereabouts into the uh, outside wall at Daytona. And it separated Dale Earnhardt's uh, head from his, uh, from his spine, is basically what Dale Earnhardt Sr. died of. In a, I mean, it, it turned out to be a, a fatal deadly accident and out of that came the hans device the head and neck shoulder restraint now is de rigueur for all forms of racing the, the dragsters uh, guys wear it 
uh, Formula One wears it. It, it. The kids at the bull ring out here wear it. And it keeps your head and, and, and neck from, from getting apart. So guys don't die that way. The other and probably much more important <clears throat> in the overall scheme of things, or at least equally important uh, to the world of racing and now to the, to the rest of the world, is Dr. Dean Sicking, who was at Nebraska and working in the Highway Safety Institute. And he developed a safer barrier, and that stands for steel and foam energy reduction. And Mark, you and I have been out at the Speedway at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. We've seen people hit that wall. It's called a soft wall. It's not soft by any stretch of the imagination. It's steel. And on the other side of that steel is uh, is uh, concrete. And in the middle of that concrete and that steel is uh, some basic engineering. We're going to hold point th- this front one to this back one. And in the middle, they stuff styrofoam. And it has saved so many lives of racers and so many injuries. Kyle Busch missed half this season and has fought his way back in one of the most incredible athletic feats I've ever witnessed. Uh, fought his way back into the into the chase for the cup by winning four races and coming back with the vengeance. But he broke both legs. The outside wall didn't do it. Didn't hurt him much at all. And he went skittering across on the Xfinity race at Daytona the day before the Daytona 500 this year. Smacked the part of the inside wall. Imagine how much speed difference there was from hitting the outside wall and having it absorb quite a bit of the energy. And skittering across and went across the grass where he didn't scrub off any speed. And front-ended the inside wall. I mean, that's, you know, you're talking probably close to a quarter of a mile or thereabouts, at least farther than a football field. And hit the inside wall hard enough to break one of his legs and one and the other foot. And this safer technology, this safer barrier, is uh, the, the the product of Dr. Dean Sicking. And I am so honored and humbled to call him my friend, Mark, and we're going to meet him tomorrow night. And uh, to me, it's I, I guarantee you, I'm going to tell him thank you for it. This is a very shy man, uh, very unassuming, very intelligent. Uh, who has made a fundamental change to the sport I love and a lot of people love, and that's auto racing and in all its forms. Imagine how many – this guy saved more lives than Oral Roberts ever did. <laughs> and it, it, it's just that simple, man. And uh, and Dr. Dean Sicking and the Safer Barriers have made such a fundamental change in all forms of racing where people don't die anymore. So if it doesn't become death-defying anymore and it's just serious injury-defying, I'm okay with that. You know, nobody has to die anymore. And one of the one of the real huge steps in that direction is Dean Sicking and the safer barriers. You've been you stood out there on that Walmart when cars yes. are going by. How do you feel? How do you feel with that with that incredible invention right in front of you? With those cars going by at at at, at 200 miles an hour, uh, anything to cushion that barrier, I'm for it, baby. That that's just I, you know I I mean. Yeah. Uh, well, well, I mean, even just standing next to them going by at 200 miles an hour is nerve-wracking. So I can imagine what it's like sitting in there. You know, it's butt puckering. Let's be real honest about it. You know, I mean, if that doesn't pucker you up, nothing will. Other than the fact that uh, that I'm sure they don't have time to think about it, but coming around that corner at 190 miles an hour to hit something that is not moving. Yeah, kind of freaks the shit out of me. But yeah, this barrier, and, and this this barrier is kind of a no brainer. But yet, when you think about it, the technology behind the barrier that so that it can impact, you know, so that it takes that impact, it absorbs it. Yeah, yeah. it absorbs that energy. Uh, it's no, it's not a great deal different, Mark, uh, for somebody to have some point of reference to the the rail on a pool table. When the ball hits that rail, it doesn't come off as quickly as it as it went in, and some of that energy is absorbed by the by the the compacting of that rail, and it it as it expands, it doesn't expand as, as at as great a rate as it as it compacted, and that's the simple truth. Well, Dean has come up with this, and I'm going to call him Doctor Sicking, has come up with this uh, safer barrier that absorbs 75 percent of the energy from a wreck. That doesn't transfer to the driver. In other words, if they hit it at 200 miles an hour, the, what translates to the driver is a 50-mile-an-hour impact. That's a huge difference. And we're back yeah. to Dale Earnhardt. If that had been a 50-mile-an-hour impact, 
they they would have been shooting for probably a couple more uh, championships that he would have won. I mean, he was he was actually uh, coming back and running well, and and Dale Jr. and and Michael Waltrip were winning Daytona 500s, and and things were going good for the Earnhardt family, except for that one incident on the last lap of the Daytona 500. And uh, Dean Sicking has stopped the, those incidents, those type of things from occurring at racetracks all across the world. Uh, Formula One, IndyCar, and NASCAR received the rights to use the safer barriers that Dean uh, Sicking had, uh, Dr. Dean Sicking had uh, come up with and perfected. And he continues to, to, to work to perfect it, Mark. I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the things we've got going. Uh, but uh, um, when Dr. Sicking came up with that, uh, Adam Petty had died not too long before at New Hampshire. They had a real whatever the reason was, guys' throttles were sticking at New Hampshire at Loudon Speedway. And they went into the wall, and I don't know what it took for – I mean, they build different cars for different speedways, and I do not know if it was just a tremendous uh, coincidence or what. But Adam Petty was the young – he was the grandson of the king. He was the heir apparent. He was the – you know, here, here's here's Kyle Petty, and God bless him. He could go fast in a race car, and he survived, and he made a lot of money. But Richard Petty was everything that Lee Petty was who was his dad, who was one of the, the original NASCAR drivers, one of the original NASCAR stars, begat Richard Petty. Richard didn't pass it on. It skipped a generation with Kyle. Kyle could go fast. He just wasn't much of a competitor. He wasn't near as competitive as his dad. He wasn't near as competitive on the track as the other drivers, and the results show that. I think the guy had six or seven wins in the entirety of his career. But Adam Petty had that boy you could just see that's a young richard out there the moves he made and the way he drove uh, it, i don't think it was something from watching old films of richard petty it was just in those jeans and like i say kyle passed him on but kyle didn't get to use him himself and adam petty drove into the wall at new hampshire speedway and, and died and uh there were several deaths there and 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 near deaths and, and those kind of things and that doesn't happen anymore because of the safer barrier, steel and foam energy reduction, which, like I say, came out of the University of Nebraska. I think Dean got the short end of the stick uh, somewhat in, a, in the as incredible and uh, important as the safer barriers are to racing everywhere. He didn't get any extra in his paycheck. You know, if imagine if the guy had worked for, for anybody outside of a university-type uh, setting yeah, he might not have been able to do the research that, that led to it, but let, let's just say, for the sake of argument, that he would have been able to do that on the outside, Mark. Okay, if they gave it away and said, we're going to trade it for $10 million, imagine what the real value must really be, Mark. Imagine yeah. how much, how, you know, I mean, when there's a wreck, something, they, they tell the track owners, put the, safe, put the wall up, put that soft wall around here. And they, they don't care how much it costs, and it costs about 50 bucks a, a, a running foot which is incredibly cheap compared to redoing an entire track and trying to do something else, which leads us, I guess, to, to what I'm, we're meeting Dr. Sicking tomorrow night. He's coming to Las Vegas to look at our bus stops. And uh, we, uh, we have had way too many deaths at bus stops here in Las Vegas where uh, some people point to the amount of drunk drivers that we have here. Yep, that certainly is a factor. But it's not the only factor, Mark, in, in these deaths at the bus stops. And uh, their their idea, the only workable idea that the powers that be have come up with, and this is not just here in Las Vegas. This is nationwide, worldwide. The only thing that they can think of is put you further away from the road at a bus stop by moving them back. Some arbitrary figure somebody come up with somewhere of five feet. Well, as a guy who rides them buses, I'm telling you what, that five feet doesn't mean squat when somebody takes it. <laughs> when there's a vehicle in that five feet, you okay, you now it, does, it doesn't do diddly squat for you. Dr. Sicking and I have are working real, real much, Mark, on a system to do for bus stops what the safer barrier did for auto racing, and that is keep people from dying. 
And I believe we have come up with the, with the formula, with the system to make that happen. And I am incredibly humbled and incredibly proud to A, be associated with Dr. Sicking and to B, to be able to meet him and shake his hand. And I'll tell you what, uh, uh, I, I'm going to have a real hard time not, not kissing and hugging this guy and telling him thank you for every racing <laughs> fan everywhere. For every family who's who's only had to go to a to an emergency room or, or or tow home a wrecked race car, and not have and not have to go to a funeral home, oh my God! How do you tell this man thank you for all of us? You know, I don't have a dog in the fight. I just like to watch it. I don't own a car. I'm not a driver. I'm but my God! And if I get to enjoy something and nobody dies anymore, I don't have to feel guilty about watching it. And that's what De- that's what Doctor Dean Sicking has given to the world, and what a what an amazing gift! You know how many racing fans there are worldwide, Mark. You know how many lives this guy has impacted, not just from keeping people from dying, but keeping people from being hurt. Oh my God! Well, it, it, it's an incredible thing. But well, it's interesting how this also can relate to other sports. Um, uh, just. I just found found an article here where he's working on a on a helmet for football. The NFL football, has you a, bet. Yeah, you know the the NFL has their people on it, so they're not talking to him yet. But you know, say so yeah. uh, they have to do something. They can't yeah. keep losing Junior Seau and Mike Webster and on and on and on to concussions. And these are not concussions that really uh, come about from their NFL careers, Mark. This is what little kids have that they, they carry with them from Bantam League football all the way through. However far they go, they're getting concussions. The earlier you start, the earlier the concussions start. And now we're finding out the effects of that are overwhelming. It's like lead in paint. Yep. Lead in paint was cool until we finally figured out lead, lead was killing kids <laughs> and making them stupid and, and, and doing incredible damage to a human body. So now there's no longer lead in paint. The heads inside those helmets are the same heads that were being exposed to lead paint it's just a different generation right and now we love to watch football and we love to get little johnny out there and man at six years old go run headlong into that and i was one of them parents i lost my 19 year old son delaney to a heroin overdose at 19 years old and a lot of that mark i believe came about because of the the way he played football from the time he was six years old and and i will go to my grave feeling guilty about what i what what I allowed to happen with my son just because, oh, my God, it was so much fun to watch him hit people with that head and to, and to, and to hit people and how it was the, you know, in that time. And Dr. Sicking, I'm telling you right now, if he's on it, it's going to work, and it's going to yeah. work well. And, and he's going to revolutionize football as he did racing. This is this is absolutely one of the most amazing, you know, we talk about Einstein and, and Tesla and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, uh, you, I'll tell you right now, for all of us who are sports fans, I'll take Dr. Dean Sicking. Definitely. It's just, uh, I am, I am uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him on uh, Friday night, so it's going to be fun. Too. Anyone else? Wants to go see a bus stop, man. <laughs> the guy's oh, always God. working. <laughs> What'd you do in Vegas? I went and saw a bus stop. I met two <laughs> of my friends and went and saw a bus stop. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, were there were there girls at the bus stop? <laughs> were there slot machines? Did the cocktail waitress come by? You know, uh, and I and don't you think that'd be a perfect place for a bus stop? I mean, we already have a designated driver. Yeah, <laughs> I think cocktail. I think cocktail service at bus stops would really Im- increase the ridership. You know, and produce some revenue for them. I, this is an idea, a stream that somebody has not uh, not thought of. And when I came up with with, uh, with to- forming a relationship with Doctor Sicking Mark, I was sitting at that bus stop. I was sitting. At, I was sitting at one of them bus stops, three feet from traffic, going by at fifty miles an hour. And I'd just come from the race the day before, where I'd been sitting, standing behind that barrier at that same distance, that same three feet from cars going two hundred miles an hour. Didn't bother me at all. Didn't pucker me up. Didn't did, I never gave a second thought to my safety mark, not one iota, because I was behind that safer barrier and I was as safe as safe gets. And I was sitting at that bus stop and I was as scared as scared can get for a man my age and my size. <laughs> and those cars come rumbling by and there's some. It's it, passing the intersection and, and, and I'm 
Stewart and and uh, and uh, Lamb here in Las Vegas. <laughs> you you, you want to check out how big your balls are? Go sit at that bus stop for a little bit. Watch that traffic come by you at forty five miles an hour, yep. and you're three feet from it, forty five and fifty, and they come rumbling through. And when the trucks hit it, there's there's some undulations in the street and little bumps and stuff like that, and it makes that noise like something's coming off or something's coming loose. You just hear them ra- shake, rattle, and roll <laughs> nonsense as it's coming by, man. I'm telling you, I was puckered up. I had to unscrew myself from the damn seat to get up and go stand somewhere else where I was hoping it was safer. And I came up with that idea, Mark, and I said, I've got to call Dr. Sicking. And that's how I met the man. And uh, uh, we're going to save lives. We're going to save lives at bus stops all across the world. We're going to do for bus stops what Dr. Sicking did for and his team. He does not do this alone. He's a very, very humble man. It, uh, but uh, what they uh, they have done for, for racing, we're going to do at bus stops. I'm tired of people dying at bus stops, man. That's not going to happen anymore. We're not going to – I'm not going to read my newspaper uh, about about some grandma and her and her little girl dying at a damn bus stop because somebody didn't put – just said, okay, we need to put a barrier between the things that are about to hit the bus stop and the bus stop. It was that simple, Mark, and nobody came up with it until somebody died. And if it was me – God bless. All, all, all God did was 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 connect me with Dr. Dean Sicking, and the rest, as they say, is history. And uh, we're working well, very, uh, very diligently to bring well, that I mean, about. I, I mean, that's how he started. He he yeah. revolutionized a very simple thing called called the you know the barrier or you know that metal barrier along was, the road yeah. on a curve the, because the guardrail because of the, absolutely yeah, you know. You know, and you know, and he saw. You know, he goes, "Okay, I have." You know, you see somebody die in a car accident because of a guardrail. Yeah. Well, I'm an engineer. Let me fix. You know, I, I mean, mean I mean, it started out with one simple idea because he sat there with the exact same thing that you did. That's stupid. Yeah. That people are dying because of that. Yep, absolutely. And and to to talk to him. Uh, is incredible, Mark, to to just talk a little bit of engineering with him, and w- which I have been so fortunate to be able to do in this deal w- with the bus stops and, and, and Vegas Bets and the things that we're doing with that, and to talk to him, it's just absolutely fascinating, and 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 to think, and I don't know that he really gets how profound an effect he has had on auto racing. I really don't think. He, I don't think he's a huge uh, stock car racing fan. Um, I'm pretty sure he'd recognize Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Kyle Busch and and Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon, and we're probably running out of people on that list if, if they were on the same plane with him uh, today flying into Las Vegas. He'd recognize a few, but not all, Mark. No. And, you know, no, we see people, when we do Champions Week here, we, we see people standing there for two or three hours on that red carpet just to get an autograph or a photo of their NASCAR stars. They not only know their names, they know their middle names, they know their girlfriends or wives' names, they know the kids' names, they know the hometown. You know, they know every minute detail about these drivers because they uh, connect to them. They can see the drivers. When they're in the cars, they have the helmets on. But before and after, the drivers are humans just like you and I. They're just in them funny-looking suits. And then they get in the cars, and they go incredibly fast. They go at airplane speeds <laughs> on yeah. ground. And and the speeds have been able, just like, like I said earlier in the show, Mark, we've been able to improve our ways of killing each other. We've been able to improve the ways in how much faster we're able to travel. And if you look... At, my God, going in a novel. People say, what is it? They're just going round and round. Yeah, well, try to pass somebody when you're just going round and round. The, 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 and it doesn't translate all that well to television. Television has certainly made NASCAR what it is. Uh, there's no doubt about that. It's not, it's not gambling like, like what made the NFL and college football before it. Um, uh, television has made uh, stock car racing, the sport that it is, because it was available and you could watch it. And it was three hours, and, and, and they could get a lot of commercials in. And uh, they didn't have to pay the, you know, the individual drivers. They they put up a purse and let them play for it. <laughs> Imagine if the football players, <laughs> there's 22 of you out there, and one of you gets paid. And yeah. the rest of you will give you a few bucks to buy lunch or something on the way out. But the guy, the guy that's the best is going to get the paycheck. That's how it works in NASCAR. And uh, uh, 
But anyhow, uh, it's it, it's a, an incredible honor, Mark, and uh, we will take some photos. Uh, uh, if, if it's the only thing we do is take a photo, man, I want to take a photo with Dr. Sicking and, uh, he's one of those, uh, one of those behind the scenes guys, but, uh, um, oh. you know, now he's at the university of Alabama, Birmingham in the Holland engineering, uh, department there and doing his deal down there and, uh, uh, very happy where he's at. And, and, and to me, what a, what a cool thing he's in Birmingham, Alabama. There ain't much more heart and soul in the middle of the world, Racing-wise, then that part of the country in Birmingham, Alabama is kind of perfect. He's not very far from Talladega, and he's not very far from so many of the big tracks back there. And, you know, for uh, they should have a damn parade by his place. The NASCAR haulers and everybody should come by and go, go by Dean's house and honk on the way by. So Now, uh, can I'll he take this system. device and create some way to get a barrier between the NFL players and women? <laughs> yeah, the, the doctor sicking chastity belt absorbs the impact of an erection. <laughs> I maybe a diaphragm. I don't know, Mark. Um, listen to this. Okay, Nor uh, uh, Ahmad Brooks was sent home from Denver, where the Denver Broncos and the 49ers are having a, a that that practice against each other because they're tired of hitting them themselves. Um. And so it's consensual mayhem at the practices, and there are probably going to be some fights. They finally get to see somebody in another uniform. Uh, these are two teams a couple of years ago, certainly Super Bowl uh, uh, players. Uh, uh, now they've uh, at least uh, the Niners have fallen into disarray. Ahmad Brooks, the Niner, was sent home, uh, I believe, the linebacker, uh, sent home on mis- misdemeanor sexual battery charges. Uh, which were levied uh, by a young woman. Uh, 49ers Ray McDonald was released earlier when he was indicted on rape charges. Lo and behold, it's the same woman. Now, I don't know if she also uh, was a Bill Cosby fan, but I'm, I'm telling you right now, <laughs> this, is either the, this is either the unluckiest one. Yes, <laughs> And stays at the ski lodge where Kobe. And this is the and and lives next door to Mike Tyson. This is the same woman, either an incredibly unfortunate young lady, lady, or there's something there's something missing that's going to hopefully come out in trial, Mark. But uh, whatever it is, it seems kind of. Uh, I can't wait to read rather, her new Craigslist posting. <laughs> and it's and, and we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't jump to conclusions. There certainly is the is the chance that uh, that she has been victimized twice. But I would say on its surface, it seems like that would that would make for a much more interesting investigation. Of now, what happened? Now, uh, Derek Rose, uh, one of my favorites, a guy that we've seen at Basketball USA, wasn't here this year. Uh, off injured star of the Chicago Bulls, who um, was the MVP of the NBA and has had multiple seasons of few or no games because of uh, surgery to his knees, which he injured. And uh, uh, now Derek Rose seems back and ready to play, except he has been charged in a civil suit. And the charges are that he and two others – now, this is not a, a criminal case. He's not going to jail. Yeah. Derek Rose was charged that he and two others drugged, broke, then followed the woman home, broke into her apartment, raped her repeatedly, and left. Ryan Allen, who is the little brother of, uh, of the Memphis Grizzlies guard, Tony Allen – who had a, a brief cup of coffee in the in the NBA, I believe, with the Bulls, um, and is a friend of Derrick Rose's. Uh, and Randall Hampton, who is Rose's, uh, let's call it manager, uh, uh, a friend, a, a guy that's got part of, that does the, the business things for Derrick Rose, who has shoe contracts and, and those kind of promotional things that basketball players uh, tend to come by. Um, August of 2013, uh, I, I believe it was that uh, that this happened, Mark, and um, uh, so now it's come to this: uh, the, the woman wants uh, some several millions of Derek Rose's dollars, 
and uh, and Ryan Allen and Randall Hampton, and uh, I don't think it's going to happen uh, when it, when you get down to. But the the deal is, it's it's kind of a sordid thing. Derek Rose uh, uh, allegedly had a had a relationship, a consensual relationship with this woman for for the better part of two years, and she says that he tried to uh, uh, talk her into uh, into group sex and 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 some uh, what some people might think deviant behavior or at least intimate behavior uh wanting her to do some sex acts in front of him that he was not actually physically involved in uh with herself and uh, uh what whatever it is it's it's just such a such a strange thing i mean the, the police blotter is now is now almost always uh, it's either violence against women or it's it's sexual assault and i don't know uh mark i will say there's a there's a minefield out there that the nfl and it's and it's group are, are tap dancing in and i'll i'll tell you why they now have a policy in that knee jerk reaction that if you're charged with a you're arrested and charged with a sexual assault crime or a crime of violence uh domestic violence um Almost any crime for that fact, DUI and all that crap. You were suspended until they can get their act together. Well, you know, their get their act together doesn't include weekends, and that's generally when, when games are played, and including the Super Bowl. And if an allegation, if a, you know, if somebody shows damage now in a in a, a, a relationship, and there's been a call that there's some kind of argument or fight or whatever going on. And somebody shows some damage, scratches, blood, bruising, red marks, anything like that. <clears throat> the law is very clear. Somebody has to go to jail. Okay, You go to jail, you're charged. They have to charge you, or they can't take you to jail. They can't just say, nah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out when we get there, get in the car. No, no, that's not how it works. They have to have reasonable cause, so they take you to jail. There was a mark on this woman. What's to stop a woman from scratching her face the night before the Super Bowl? Giselle gets pissed yep. all off at Tom Brady and says, yep, last time it was deflated balls. Now, I don't know. You know, you were looking at the cocktail waitress down at the, down at the, the A&W. Uh, I don't know. Whatever, whatever it was, she scratches herself and says he did it. She smacks herself in the face with a frozen pork chop and says he did it. And he goes to jail. And he's suspended. It's not true. Imagine the incredible amount of power these women have and i think we're seeing it when okay i was with this guy you know mark we see him we we, we see a lot of pro athletes and we see him in a, in a lot of different sports there's a hell of a lot of difference between the pro bowl riders and the pro basketball players there's not quite so much difference when you throw nascar in there it's kind of a kind of a a, a middle ground between the pbr crowd which all pretty much come in with with with, with horse schmutz on their boots Mm-hmm. And the NASCAR crowd, which is now which is now a much bigger demographic, and then you have the NBA crowd, and 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 we see it in all three of the big things that we cover here, Mark, and boxing. Boxing, there's just not so many that are available, but there are groupies, there are clingers on, there are babes that will not only that are not only willing to have sex with most all of the performers, who most all of them are male. Well, and even the female ones, they're willing to, you know, yeah. uh, just to just to have that 15 minutes of fame on their deal for today. I done Derek Rose. I did blah, blah, blah. I had, you know, I, 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 I was with him and with them. And they're not only willing to have sex with them, they're willing to have sex with them right then, right there, right now in front of God and everybody. You know, uh, some well, of them are willing. So well, when these when these rape allegations come out, Mark, I always think, man, either the, either these guys are incredibly stupid because they could have sex twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, and only take time off to perform in the sport that got them all that uh, all all that wild poontang, and and they they're still charging them with drugging and raping, and it, it sounded like such a good idea for Bill Cosby. I guess I guess we'll have to try it. Let's see how that works. So I don't know. What do you? What's your? What do you think? Well, what's your explanation of this? Uh, well, yes, but I mean, I mean, you know, we go back twenty years. We go back to Magic Johnson when 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 he came down with AIDS, you know, and he yeah. said, "Look, I've banged every cheerleader from here to Bangkok." Okay. But, but appropriate. Yeah, well, yeah, really. It just came. All right. But how appropriate. Yeah. You know, back, you know, and and back then 
it was the same thing with rock stars or anything else. Okay, yeah, got the groupies. Let's head to the hotel suite, have sex until sunrise, and then that's it. But now with 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 the change in the culture and social media, you know, here I got a picture of me with with Kobe in the sack. You know, a you know she's really proud of it, and B there's a lawyer going, hey, we we can make millions on this one. Yeah, well, absolutely, and it's 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 kind of natural selection, Mark. You know, this is not something new. Uh, movie stars and and rock bands and back and back and back and back and uh, you know, eventually you 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 think, okay, this is this is pretty much when we right right not too long after the amoeba stage that uh, they're attracted to to success. That's what leads to. That civilization, if you believe in, if you believe in, in uh, Mr. Darwin and his theories of evolution, then you say, okay, something attracts one sex to, one, to another and to mate and to procreate, and they want to do it with success. Uh, these are these are guys that, I, for the most part, are good looking, and the more money you have, the better looking you get. They are, um, for the most uh, part, uh, physically fit. You know, uh, guys. If I was, I, I mean, if I was a movie star, I just don't think that that uh, you know, um, Dom DeLuise and John Candy got as much uh, as much action as Burt Reynolds and Clint Eastwood <laughs> to, to 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 just uh, to be that way. So these women do this, Mark, well, and, and it is there. I think it is something of a of a of a natural thing. And the guys are attracted to good looking women who come out and say, "What do you think of these?" You know, we have yeah. we have both seen that. Well, I have seen well, I have seen women damn near stand on one hand and and one leg at one time to get one boob in on to touch a LeBron James in the back for whatever for whatever that does for him. And now that I'm down to one boob, I really don't have much of a shot at at, at knowing no, that. But you know, we've seen we've seen people just just die to do something with them, and I think it is that animal attraction. So I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, no, I, I do think that it is. It's a natural thing that we, you know, now they get paid millions of dollars to do it. But I mean, I mean, you know, here in Vegas during the boom years there, we had the Palms and you had George Maloof. Now, if George Maloof did not own the Palms, he would not get the women that he got. Well, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Okay. You know, you know, Brick Shields did not. (laughs) <laughs> hang out with George Maloof because he's he a looks, really cool looking dude. It's because he looks like he Holmes. Yeah, he looked like Screech. Yeah, yeah. There <laughs> that, we go. There we go. However, however, George is a rich guy, but Gavin Rick are much better looking. You, go ahead. I am going to give you kudos on this because we have talked about this in the past with college oh. basketball. If the NCAA was really, really interested in their players, which they're not. They're just there to make a buck off of all. Money? All about the money. Yeah, oh, yeah. If you have these outstanding players that you're going to give a scholarship to, this is where it could start. Okay, we're going to give you a scholarship to play at Kentucky for for four years. How about if – John Calipari. Yeah. Okay, how about if we do it this way? You play for four years, and then we give you – and then – or for two years or whatever, then go to college. Okay. That's, That's exactly what John Calipari does, Mark. He catches so much crap for the one and dones, for playing by the rules, for getting these guys in where he had eight guys go to the in the NBA draft this year on a, in a sport that only five guys can start at any one time. He had eight guys go. And he doesn't, he's not shy about it, Mark, and he's not apologetic about it. His deal is for the best for the kids. And he said, I was watching a thing on, on uh, I think it was 3030 on, on ESPN the other day about John Calipari. What an incredible man. What a nice, nice man who doesn't suffer fools very easily. But he said, their scholarship is a scholarship for life. And he means if he has to pay out of his own pocket when these guys are done. And some of them make it. Of those eight guys that went to, that are on NBA rosters, at least until they start making cuts. If they, and none of them finished their college education yet. When they're ready to go back, they can go back to Kentucky and get that get that degree. Okay. And I'm telling you right now, if if that means they go somewhere else, they go somewhere else closer to home. They're from Malibu, and and they want to go to Pepperdine. I guarantee you that John Calipari will figure out a way to get them that college education, and I think that's okay. really really cool. Okay, so 
let's take it one step farther. Okay, so now you 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 have your team and, and they're doing what you're paying them to do. Play basketball. Okay. Focus on basketball. Right. Now all of a sudden you've right. got these these players that are outstanding, yeah, and you've got the the recruiters coming around to look at them to see if they're worth going to the professional league. At that point, you can catch them and go, okay, let's talk about money management. Let's talk yeah. about the rules of the game so that you can, so that, yeah. uh, that yes, you're going to make a, make $30 million in the next four years, but we want to take that $30 million and make it last the next 30 years. How, yeah. you know, yeah. because they don't do that, you know. They don't give me any kind of advance. These guys... They know what they're there for. It's like it's like the dirty little secret. Like, let's just ignore that. It'll go away on its own. Well, that's like ignoring a cancerous uh, skin lesion. And the next thing you know, it's 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 bigger and it's, and you can't deal with it anymore. And so this is a you know this is something that should be addressed. The billions and billions of dollars we have Ed O'Banion here, who. Uh, just went through the lawsuit with the NCAA for for using his likeness on the on the game with EA Sports and not and not compensating him any. And now Eddie O'Bannon works at a, a, a he played at UCLA works at a, a auto dealership here and he's got a good job and, and and he's a good guy and he's doing he's doing these things. But the NCAA was exposed. They had to show some of their financial stuff in this lawsuit, Mark. And the billions with the billions of dollars that they generate. EA Sports and the shoe companies and the, and on and on and on. And look how many jerseys there are and look how many, you know, how much stuff there is. The, the money that is generated from athletics, in the old days, they called that slavery. If I take you and, and make money off of you, yeah, I have to feed you and we have to give you a place to put the new babies and stuff like that. But still, you're not getting your fair share of the what you bring in. And you have no you you have you can't leave. If you leave, you can't play next year. You can't earn next year. You can't do this. You can't do that. Well, you can't go eat. You can't you know. Oh my God, the billions of dollars that they bring in and do not pass on to these kids. There's bound to be some millions somewhere that some asshole is sticking in his own pocket that they can say, okay, a scholarship is forever. Come back. Go wherever you want. You can go to any other NCAA university. And finish your education. If you're from not here, you come play here and you earn the money for here. Thank God. God bless you. And hopefully somebody from from here will go some will go to your hometown and earn money there and it'll be a trade out. But when all is said and done, the whole idea is about getting them. They call them uh, uh, students, student athletes. Well, okay. Well, if you're good enough to, to, to get out and, and not need that college education to earn some money, Mark. I mean, that's the whole idea. That's the very first thing anybody brings up. You get your college education so you make more money. Okay. You know, my parents were educated. My, my, my mom and dad were school teachers. And that college education got them a career, and they loved it, and they, and they got all that reward and everything. But it, I don't think it was a hell of a lot more money. They could have majored in other things and got more money. They could have done other things. My dad had the opportunity to be a, a, a an auctioneer with my two uncles, who both, uh, you know, uh, millionaires. Uh, and and so that that education does not necessarily mean money, but that's the that's the thing they mention. You get your education, you get a better station in life. Well, what the hell? These guys are going, and after one year in college, and probably not necessarily look at LeBron James, like the Kobe Bryant, on and on and on. There are there are exceptions to that rule where these guys can start earning now. Well, if that's the idea of a college education, is to make you able to earn more. Every year that you don't do that, that you're playing for Podunk State and making them millions and you ain't getting none of it, that's a crock. And, yeah, they should be able to come back and get their educations after the fact. That's, a, that's that simple. The money's there. And if, also, if, they really have these, if they really have these guys good uh, best interests at heart, that's what they should do, Mark. And John Calipari does it, a guy who catches a lot of crap down in Kentucky for the one and duns. And God bless him. I like John Calipari. And I was very, very happy to send him a photo that I took this year of him sitting with his guys. And that USA basketball team, you could just take the ex, the, the guy from Memphis State and, and Kentucky that played for John Calipari, and you could have probably a team that would that, that could compete for 
um, certainly an NBA championship and certainly a world championship and an Olympic gold medal if you just took the guys that come from John Calipari and his programs at UMass, at Kentucky. You, 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 UMass, you're talking Marcus Campy. You know, you're not talking nobody. You're talking this has been going on for a long time, and John Calipari's got it together. And uh, I didn't mean to go off on a rant, but my no, God, no, the money no. and everything that's there from, from the NCAA should be but used better. It's it, you know it is very true and and going back to what I said earlier if if you already have spotted the the prospects that you think are going to go to pro these guys need need yeah. somebody to take them aside and go okay here's what's going to happen when you sign yeah. that multi million dollar contract and yeah absolutely and they don't know. get any of that mark right and you know and this has to be yeah. somebody. That is not going to profit from that that yeah. deal. A yeah. The Pro Bowl writers have each other. Yeah, the Pro you Bowl writers have each other. And the Brazilians had Adriano, and and they could look to him, and that and he was he was that rock in the harbor. Man, they could they could hook their boat to and not and not and not drift off out into the into the middle of the ocean. And so Adriano Marias did that for the for the Brazilian contingent of the Pro Bowl writers, who you you have to God bless give them credit for all that they've brought to pro bowl writing just as we talked about dr sicking and making that profound impact when the brazilians showed up they changed pro bowl writing for the better and they changed it forever and now and now but they, they had that and they they got that advice from each other and the cowboys uh, the, the the riders are very very communal uh, they don't necessarily like each other but they rarely do anything that that damages the rest there's not much narcissism in, in the Pro Bowl no, writers. No, and, you know, and I mean, going back to that, maybe that's what they need is, you know, as an NBA scared straight where yeah. you know, some, yeah. some, some NBA star from five or 10 years ago, who's now homeless comes in and says, okay, dudes, you know, <laughs> and there are a bunch I, of them, Mark. I had the women, Imagine. I, I had the cars, I had the drugs. I now stand on that street corner over there. And I hold a sign saying, I'm I'm the tall guy that will yeah will 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 clean your gutters for for lunch yeah, yeah that's a you know Sean Kemp comes to mind the guy that was the father of his country I mean he had many many kids I think it, we were up to eight last count by eight different <laughs> women and 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 made a huge amount of money in the NBA and pissed away a career that, that however good it was it could have been better uh, attitude whatever always uh, always seemed to be right on that periphery of of uh, you know damn near uh, going to jail or damn near <laughs> getting thrown off a team or, or, or whatever. So, uh, but, but these guys now uh, look around and they're homeless and, and it's not, it's not just the NBA. No, I think no. the NBA uh, uh, probably, I, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of an odd thing with the NBA, Mark. Everybody makes such incredible money in the NFL guys make good money. But it's not retire for the rest of your life money until you get that until until you until you move up the food chain. In 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 pro basketball, it's it's not that rookie contract. Although they, there are millions of dollars and blah blah blah, it is not live for the rest of your life without ever having to work another day, money uh, until you, that second contract. And back to John Calipari, he you got to listen to you got to watch this show and I, I hopefully it's on YouTube. It was on ESPN. And John Calipari talks about the, these guys. You want to get into that second contract, past that rookie contract. Those are those hundred and eighty million for for five year kind of six year kind of things that these guys are signing for. Yeah, and uh, I suppose they could buy their own college education, all things considered. And but but for those that for those that try and don't make the NBA or the NFL or Major League Baseball, you know, baseball takes kids right out of high school. <laughs> they these these guys the the rules are different for baseball than they are for basketball and, and, and football. They draft kids. They can sign fifteen year old kids out of the Dominican Republic to pro contracts. And baseball doesn't have an incredible system for getting these guys their education. You know when we walked when when, when you walked through at Cashman Field and uh, where we were with the fifty ones, uh, the farm team for the Mets and for Major League uh, uh, weekend. There, there are some of those guys that have books down there, have textbooks that when they got nothing else to do on a slow day and a, and a game that's you know nine to two in the in the in the sixth inning or something, they're checking out their their textbooks. And some of these guys go to college, and uh, uh, the, the the modern technology has allowed them to do that from the comfort of their hotel room or their their apartment or wherever they you know wherever they they call home. Uh, they don't have to be on campus anymore. But I don't think there's a huge push for baseball to get these guys 
educated. It's unfortunate they make millions and millions of dollars about it, but at least they don't apologize for it, and I don't think they're totally hypocritical about it. The NCAA, on the other hand, yeah. could be the biggest hypocritical organization I've ever I've ever seen that is governing. That 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 you know, I mean, we had we had a hell of a revolution for that taxation with that representation. Well, okay, it's pretty much the same concept to me, Mark. You go out there and work. You put your you put your your future on the line, whether it's concussions that cause people. To, I mean, I you know we know how many NFL we don't really know how many NFL players, but we have an idea now. They're, they're tracing it back to this to this uh, concussion effect. How many college players die or died shortly after college or ten years after college that never made it to the NFL that we never hear about? Guy blew his brains out. He was depressed. You know, nobody made that connection. I'm almost positive there's that many NFL players. There's an equal, if not greater, number of college players. And there are high school kids who have played, by the time they get to high school, Mark, they will have already played 10 or 12 years of full contact football before they get to high school. And your head can only take so much. And... And these guys are are dying for our, you know, I mean, they're dying at every level for our for for our enjoyment of watching them out there competing. And it's not a hell of a lot different than what we used to do with gladiators, man. And they should, they don't need to die. Which I guess kind of brings us all the way back around, Mark, to uh, uh, to Doctor Sicking, and if he does for football helmets and, and and the sport of football for what he did for auto racing, what him and his team did. It was not a, a singular project. If, if if we see that change in football, Mark, you know, and the worst thing that happens to you is you blow out a knee and you're limp for the rest of your life, at least you have a hell of a story to tell the grandkids, yep. you know, and uh, uh, nobody needs to die. And I, I, I guarantee you that if it's doable, it's doable by Dr. Dean Sicking from the University of Alabama, Birmingham right now. And uh, uh, I am, again, I, I'm so looking forward to going uh, to going and meeting him tomorrow night. Uh, Mark, a uh, couple couple things before we get out of here, buddy. Uh, American Pharaoh is going to Saratoga to run the Traverse Stakes, and Saratoga is known as the Graveyard of Champions, and and uh, somewhat of a macabre reference. Not only is it a place where where champions seem to have a tough time, and many of them have suffered their first defeat or a stunning defeat at Saratoga Racetrack in New York, but it is also where many horses. For whatever reason, for a, a while, uh, seemed to run their last race, and it was a race where horses were injured, and, and a fluke thing here or, or something there. Somebody fell in front of another horse. Those types of things uh, that ended careers and lives of some very very promising race horses. So, uh, somewhat of a, a bit of a surprise. I, I, I know there are some people that'll be uh, holding their breath. That our uh, uh, our triple crown winner American uh, American Pharaoh is racing at Saratoga. So, and uh, Usain Bolt, guy we kind of wrote off. Okay, he's old. He's he's been out for a year. He he isn't running. Whatever. The World Championships are going on, and he beat American Justin Gatlin by almost two tenths of a second in the in the two hundred. <laughs> That's flying. Nineteen five five to nineteen seven four for second place, and I guarantee you, I haven't seen the clip yet, but I guarantee you, Usain Bolt knew uh, how. I am almost positive he looked back at Justin Gatlin and smiled because two tenths of a second when you're running is a is a fair enough distance where you can turn around. And Usain Bolt didn't what wasn't hitting the gas, wasn't going to hurt himself. He knew he knew the tape was his, and and I don't think that he turned on the gas. But my goodness, we're we're less than a year out from the Olympics, and it looks like it's going to be a Usain Bolt Olympics, unless something happens between now and then. When you're winning races at the World Championships by two tenths of a second, yep. at, at, at this. point time man it's a <laughs> there i don't know how anybody improves to tenths of a second in that short of a distance mark you know if this guy stays on course he's gonna win he's gonna win the double again and uh, probably one of the most incredible athletes to ever walk the face of the earth usain bolt 1955 right. man okay <laughs> from a standing start right ryan mallet got pissed off about losing his uh his starting job to uh, to brian Hoyer, Hoyer with the texans uh head coach bill o'brien the guy that uh, stopped for a cup of tea at the penn state uh, following joe paterno and the, that nonsense there uh uh, uh 
is now the head coach of the Texans, following Gary Kubiak, who's now with the Broncos. And uh, he had a thing that you can see it live. He's telling the guy, you're, you're not my starter anymore. I'm going to give the job to Ryan Hoyer, and here's what I expect. And it was almost like the, the cameras, the camera angle that you see on, on some of the, where they show, where they show women in changing rooms or whatever. It kind of looked like somebody had that set up, up there in the corner where uh, they, they were, they were taking the photos of, of the deal or the video of the deal. And um, a very, very public, uh, I don't know if it's demotion or you're not getting the, the promotion that this guy is, but Ryan Mallett didn't take it very well. And he, he's gone from the Texans camp as of today. Um, no explanation from the Texans where he is, if he was just excused to go uh, unbunch his panties or, or, or whatever, whatever it needs. But anyway, Ryan Mallett is missing uh, from the, from the Texans camp again. Uh, God bless all the folks in, in, in New Orleans and the entire, uh, Gulf region down there, 10 year anniversary of hurricane Katrina, uh, you know, incredible destruction, but what an incredible amount of cooperation there has been to, uh, to restore that area. Um, looking forward to meeting Dr. Sicking tonight, Mark, any tomorrow. parting, uh, yep. parting words. Nope. Yeah. Tomorrow. Well, yeah. Okay. Later tonight. I'm uh, I, I'm going to go stand there tonight. I'm going to the airport, man. I'll meet you. I'll meet you out there. I'm, I I don't want to miss him, so I'm just going to go make sure I'm heading out here in about an hour. I'm going to be on the bus. I'll be at bus stops that are that are that are incredibly dangerous right now, and they're not going to be. I'm telling you right now, Mark. We're not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to rest till we get right. this done. So, okay. Yeah. Let's sign off. All right, man. Let's let let's fly on out of here. All right, folks. Well, uh, we do appreciate you listening to Good Sports, and for all of us here, especially Mark Anthony, my friend and partner, uh, we appreciate you listening. I'm Rick Rose, and we'll talk to you next week. Next week, right here on Good Sports. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.